Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Rewind, the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and returns to bargain over and 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 over again for every movie show and one shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Tony Camarena. Hi, Mal Rodriguez. Hi, I'm TK from There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at MCU underscore Rewind and rate us on whatever podcast app you are currently using or will be using in the future. And with that, we are covering today Doctor Strange Part 3, original air date, November 4th, 2016. No, November 4th? I thought it was November 6th. Did I write down the wrong date? Did I, I say the wrong date last week? Don't. <laughs> no. I copied this from last week. So, who knows? Oh. <laughs> Alright, it was know. either November 4th <laughs> or 6th. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, since we're, we're finishing up the, uh, the last third of this movie, here's the uh, brief rundown of everything that happens in that time. Doctor Strange returns to the New York Sanctum Centaurum to view the aftermath of the fight against Caecilius and his lackeys. After Caecilius returns, Strange sends everyone to the uh, in the room to the Mirror Dimension, which is a good idea at the time, but it has a lot of problems because that's where Caecilius' power comes from. The Ancient One appears to save Strange and Mordo, but dies in the process. Caecilius and his lackeys attack the final Sanctum in Hong Kong. They win, but then Doctor Strange shows up and does some uh, time travel shenanigans. He uses the Eye of Agamotto to undo everything Caecilius has done, then goes off to fight Dormammu. After killing Strange over and over for what I can only assume is a thousand years, Dormammu decides to leave Earth. There are two after-credits scenes. Uh, the first is a preview for Thor Ragnarok, where Strange and Thor talk about Loki on Earth. And the second one is Mordo going around killing surfers, uh, killing uh, sorcerers, not surfers, uh, possibly <laughs> surfing sorcerers, uh, setting up the plot for Doctor Strange, Wizard Civil War, coming March 25th, 2022. Unconfirmed. <laughs> well, the date is confirmed, but you know they, they still might change the, the title of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I just checked. It was October, uh, November 4th. Also, ah. October 13th in Hong Kong. Oh, but apparently, yeah. we don't care about international release dates in our first two sections. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I think Infinity War was probably the first one that got the uh, universal release date. Yeah, well, I mean, the Hulk was universal, but that's because of the studio. Ah, Because huh. it was universal ah. studio. Okay. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on from that with our fast facts. <laughs> oh, you got his sling ring. I mean, they can't escape, right? Run! On your left. Uh-huh, on my left. Got it. You didn't see that coming? Um, TK, did you bring any fast facts with you this week? You know, I noted a couple of things. I'm going to imagine that you guys also have these things in your notes. Um... The Stan Lee cameo, uh, the book he's mm -hmm. reading, Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley, which I do not know too much about, other than it seems to be about a drug trip, <laughs> yeah. um, which is kind of interesting given what's happening in that scene. So I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know if you guys had anything, had anything else about that. Uh, no, I mean, I had about the same stuff. <laughs> 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 that was a masculine trip. <laughs> 
Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I, I did write down a little quote from Wikipedia about that book. Um, the uh, the book, The Doors of Perception, provoked strong reactions for its evaluation of psychedelic drugs as, fatili- as facilitators of mystical insight. So I guess something about LSD and magic coming together. So that's that's probably a little bit part yeah. of why they put that book there. Yeah, it might be what... Um... Stra- is what Strange assumed was in his tea in the um when he first <laughs> met the ancient one. So, <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I also noted that Wong mentions that Doctor Strange is wearing an Infinity Stone, so we get that quick little mention there. And the only other thing I noted, I- I'm sure everybody knows this, um, but the fact that Cumberbatch also plays Dormammu. Oh uh, yeah. I I actually looked at like I wasn't sure, but he sounded like Smaug from uh, The <laughs> Hobbit, and he plays him as well. I was like, oh yeah, he just loves that motion capture. <laughs> so he he played or he did the the motion capture, but the voice was done by someone else, right? No, the voice was done by him as well. Oh really? I thought okay. So I ended up accidentally on a uh, on a page that like here things you didn't notice from Doctor Strange or you know like basically our fastback section but other people specifically just looking for them um, I did not seek it out I swear anyway <laughs> um, that was one of the things I saw that it was uh, that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch did the the um, the motion capture but not the voice so hmm. Hmm. Oh, maybe maybe that was wrong or someone was wrong someone somewhere is wrong it's either me or them or you Tony True, true. It's not. It's not. It's not, I, it's not TK. Don't we? Don't have to worry. About it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Al. How about yours? Do you have any fast facts? Not anymore. Okay. <laughs> so I'll start off with uh, begging your guys' apology, especially Al. I have failed you in something we've been doing. The only thing we've consistently done since the beginning of our podcast is count superhero landings. <gasps> and I forgot to count oh. superhero landings. <laughs> yes, I remember hearing that in some of your other episodes. Yes, yeah, so I actually went back after I watched the third part of the movie and rewatched the entire movie. <laughs> to, <laughs> um, luckily, the, I only missed one. In the part one, the uh, in the opening battle in the mirror dimension, uh, the ancient one does a superhero landing, number 73. And then superhero landing 74 70, and 75 is uh, Kaecilius does it twice in this section when they're in the mirror dimension. And Doctor Strange does it once in the mirror direct dimension. So we're up to 76 in the entire MCU at this point. That is surprisingly few uh, yeah. superhero landings for a movie. I know, because I rewound a lot. Because a lot of people <laughs> landed a lot of places. <laughs> it was mostly people like dropping from high spots, and I, you know, I try to give people leeway, but I don't ca- think what the ancient one did in this one it counts as a superhero landing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the landing in the real world, not the yeah, her, her final landing. landing. <laughs> oh, that one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we also have some more connections with uh. We've talked about a lot about the Dark Dimension, but we actually see the Dark Dimension in this part. Um, it connects a lot to the TV shows. We first saw the Dark Dimension in Season 2 of Agent Carter, where the villain, Whitney Frost, was accessing her powers from the Dark Dimension. 
and almost everyone got sucked into it. Then way back in 2013, in season one of um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the villain Blackout, who was going after the cellist, played by Amy Acker, um, was uh, accessing the Dark Dimension for his powers. And we will also see it in the future, so I'm not going to get into spoilers, but later in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the shows Cloak and Dagger and The Runaways. So they go back to the Dark Dimension quite a few times. Well, that's nice that it, it it's one of the few things that actually goes across uh, movies and TV shows for, within the MCU. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I guess it's um, just this one movie so far. Well, I'm I'm sure they'll talk about it maybe later sometime. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also get uh, according to the credits, and you um. One of the people defending the uh, Hong Kong Sanctum is the character of Tina Minoru, who is the mother of Nika Minoru from The Runaways, who we actually see played by a different actress in the show The Runaways. Hmm. Oh. Which, as I've said many times, that is my favorite comic book of all time, is The Runaways, and Nika is actually my favorite character from the comics. So, uh, having her in that, just a little Easter egg, a little exciting. You see her holding the Staff of One which is her main weapon in the comics. Uh, uh, do you, I'm just curious, like as far as timing goes, if we assume that this was 2016, I don't remember when the first season of the runaways came out. Uh, the first season came out, I think late 2017. Okay. So it's, it's, it's entirely possible that that all at least lines up in, in some way, given what we know of those characters, at least in the runaways. Yeah, and we're not going to get into it because The Runaways mm-hmm. is still a few years off, but mm-hmm. yeah. there is definitely an opening where you can headcanon it, put some headcanon in that she was training at Kamartage or in Hong Kong at the time. So it's like, I fit it in there, but I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I could also make the argument that maybe she was just like, they, they called her on, on the phone. They're like, hey, can you, can you come here for a minute? We're, we're going to need you. And they're like, okay. And then it was an afternoon, yeah. and then she, then she went home. That that also, yeah. I think, fits. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if she's got her sling ring, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, that's enough uh, uh, runaways, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two more. Uh, Mordo and the post credit scene are actually a little before that, too. He said, repeats the statement, the bill comes due, which is a reference to the 2016 comics at the time, so it was running probably when they were filming this the bill comes due was a warning that dr strange got in the prophecy that ended up being um like a group of scientists who were taking um magic away from sorcerers so that might be a little hint to where we see mordo in the future that's interesting i was wondering about that that's very cool yeah um i don't mordo wasn't part of that group but it seems very Likely they'll be adapting that at the very least. And then lastly, in the credits, there's a disclaimer of against reckless driving, <laughs> which shows that the warnings always come at the end of the story or the book. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I feel like... W- this has shown up before, and I, I can't remember what else. I, I, I meant to look it up yesterday. Um, 
when at the end, you know, when uh, Doctor Strange makes that line about the uh, again about the the warnings come after the the spell, and I feel like there mm-hmm. was something else that I saw sometime within the past I don't know number of years on on a TV show or something where the same thing happened, and I'm really hoping one of you two knows what I'm talking about or can just assume something. I'm not sure, but or or am I just making things up in my head? Maybe it was just this one movie. Oh man, I wish uh, I did. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Oh well. Well, I will forget to think about it after this conversation, just like yesterday <laughs> when I was watching that movie. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Totally fair. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh moving on to our heroes. Or wait. Yes, I still have the cloak of levitation here. Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> It is one thing to question the official story and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm uh, a superhero. I never said you were a superhero. Didn't? Mm -mm. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and uh, fantastic. While heroes like the Avengers protect the world from physical dangers, we sorcerers safeguard it against more mystical threats. I saw you. You're a hero. Like, a for real superhero, which is, I'm not, like, a groupie stalker type. But... Um, so, TK, where do you want to start with uh, Steven? Well, I think pretty early on in this section, we get the, the scene in which he insists it's not Mr., it's not Master, it's Doctor Strange, and sort of uh, resists the Ancient One's uh, initial call to him right like the the call mm-hmm. for him to become the the um the master of the sanctum in new york so i think that's interesting and, and that scene gets at a lot of the conflict that has been going on for him throughout the movie this this his identity being tied to that of being a doctor and in this scene it takes on a particular importance because he recalls swearing his oath to do no harm and he's struggling with the fact that he has killed and he seems to be very strongly against that. Um, even when uh, Mordo and the others kind of point out to him that, well, you know, this this duty, this mission that we have may sometimes involve that, and it's for the greater good. Um, at first, he seems very resistant to that because of his his oath to to not kill. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by all the MCU heroes who have a no-kill policy. Because it's not like how DC claims they have it. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Where here, at least to my memory, so far the only no-kill heroes we have is Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Daredevil. Um, and those are... Oh, sorry, sorry, I was no. just gonna say. I mean, I was just gonna say we see Spider-Man use um, instant kill mode in Endgame. I'm just just throwing he that out there. Didn't kill. Okay, he didn't kill humans. <laughs> okay, all right, just making sure. Okay, I see where where your uh, priorities lie. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a pro-human racist. Apparently, right. that's the only that's my only prejudice, and probably other ones that I do not want to admit. Okay. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, I actually, one of the benefits of me actually watching this movie twice, back to back, kind of, I paid attention the second time. After this breakdown, uh, Steven does not throw another punch or do anything to actually physically harm somebody for the rest of the movie. Mm. 
which I thought was a really interesting um, and consistent choice because you'd see that in a lot of act, or you wouldn't see this breakdown in a lot of action movies, but if you were to see this um, kind of reaction from a character, you would be more forgiving that they would forget that during the action scenes and defense and all that stuff, you'd see him going on the offensive. And yeah, I'm curious I, to see that in um in Infinity War. I wanna I am curious to go back to see how he fights Thanos if he does any offensive things like that. Well, I mean, even if he does do offensive things, like he could do them knowing full well that they're not actually gonna hurt him, right? I mean, especially because that fight is after he's seen the fourteen million six hundred and five possible futures. I forget what the number was, but somewhere yeah, that, that was either three. Oh, cool. cool. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I mean, maybe he just knows, yeah, that's that's not going to be what kills him. Um, he, he probably sees, um, you know, the magic kicks and thinks, yeah, th- those do, those probably do more damage than whatever <laughs> he was doing. <laughs> it is interesting, though, because I was thinking about Infinity War earlier when I was rewatching this part again. And I was thinking about how he does tell Tony an infinity war that he is willing to sacrifice him or the kid for the infinity stone. So I thought that was kind of interesting when juxtaposed with what he's saying here about not doing any harm. I I guess it's, you know, he's weighing um, Tony or Peter versus all of the damage that Thanos having the time stone in addition to the other stones could do. Right. But I still think it's kind Mm -hmm. of interesting. Yeah. I also, I think Doctor Strange's uh, moral code is interesting because he also has no problem, um, like, not operating on somebody. Uh, So it's like he could passively let someone suffer, but he will not actively harm somebody, which is, I think, might be where he's coming from in sacrificing Tony and Peter. Yeah, that's interesting. Good point. Are you referring referring to, like, the the beginning of the movie when he was on the phone with with that person trying to decide if he would do those surgeries or not? Yes. Okay, because I, I kind of took that more to mean that those people would still get surgery from someone else, just not the absolute best kind of thing. Yeah, but if for... It's, it's strange with his ego at the time, would probably think that maybe he is guaranteed to successfully um, uh, treat those patients where putting in someone else's hands... It, uh, increases the danger to their lives. That's true. He is full of himself, as we yeah. as we've we've uh, realized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And then actually, when uh, this is, I feel like this part of the movie is a little ham-fisted when the it's not about you, although it's a very important moment. I feel like the camera change and the angle, it makes it very, like, it it makes it too obvious that, oh, Doctor Strange has changed right here at this moment. I thought that was a failure, or uh, a problem with this movie. Yeah, it's interesting, the lack of subtlety in that moment Mm -hmm. compared with (laughs) some of the moments that I think actually do work better Mm -hmm. in terms of showing how he has changed or rather is changing, which I think is actually more powerful. So when he um, 
you know, when they're about to operate on the ancient one and he puts his scrubs on and he's looking at his hands and they still shake. And then he tells the doctor called Nick, um, who he was given such a hard time to in, in part one, it it seems like he's treating him with a little bit more patience and a little bit more respect. So I I think that Mm -hmm. that is something that comes off a little bit more subtly, right? That he is starting to be a little bit more humbled. And uh, I, I agree with you, Tony, sometimes when the movie's like, try so hard to, <laughs> to show us, uh, convince us of, of something like that. I, I wish that they would dial it back a little bit because those subtle moments really speak a lot. Yeah. Also, Al, I'm disappointing you for not realizing his name is Dr. Nick. Which Al's a huge <laughs> Simpsons fan. <laughs> I totally missed that. <laughs> I mean, I missed that his name, his first name was Nick. Um, but, you know, when TK said it just now, I completely missed that again. All right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember uh. his last name now, to be honest. Uh, his his uh, Nicodemus West, because he's mm. a character in the comics, like a rival doctor. No. Well, that's one of the many fast facts that I decided to edit out of my very long fast facts <laughs> list. <laughs> well, there it is. It became, it became relevant. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Apparently I edited the wrong ones in. All right. <laughs> Uh, Al, where should we shift to next? Still with uh, Strange. Yeah, well, so pretty much the the very next scene with him, um, where uh, right after the Ancient One leaves, and him and Mordo are talking, and then they realize that uh, Caecilius is back. So instead of letting Caecilius finish whatever it is spell that they were doing, he transports everyone to the Mirror Dimension. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a question, I guess, for you two. Maybe this is something I missed, or maybe it's just uh, one of those bad writing things to just to make the scene fit. Um, so with one spell, he's able to transport everyone into the mirror dimension. And then he runs and takes the sling ring away from Caecilius. And then he says to Mordo, I, I got their sling ring. They can't leave, right? So so they need the ring to leave, but they can just get in whenever they want. Is that how that works? I... I well, they did establish like to go to the other dimensions. Like, didn't they use a sling ring with the ancient one to get into the um, mirror dimension in the first place? I don't think so. I I think I I th- when the mirror dimension is first shown in this movie back in part two. So we should remember that mm-hmm. was only a week ago. Um, <laughs> uh, she does some spell and like you know when we see the all those cracks in in space and then. You know, and I don't remember if they just walk in or if they're just in it. Actually, that's a good point. I probably should have rewound to that spot. But I definitely know that they did not use the sling ring to get in. I don't okay. remember about leaving. Hmm. Oh, it makes sense. I don't think they explained it very well, obviously. But it makes sense that you don't need a sling ring to get in, but you need one to get out. Because it's one of the places where they'll intentionally trap things that are dangerous to the... I don't know, prime reality or whatever you call the regular plane. Um, so yeah, if you need uh, to use a sling ring to get a dangerous person or creature in, I think it really limits the usefulness of the, um, of the mirror dimension. Okay. So that, that makes sense. And then mm-hmm. just taking it a step further, I don't know if this is something either of you know, or maybe it was, has already been answered in the comics is the mirror dimension. Is it only one dimension or, can anyone just make their own private mirror dimension? 
Like, can can a sorcerer make seven and put an each individual crazy dimensional beast or whatever in all seven pocket dimensions and they'll never see each other? Or is there only one and there's like so many crazy things in that one mirror dimension. You just <laughs> probably shouldn't go in there at all. <laughs> That's fun to think about. Like if there if there is just one, like everybody who's hanging out in there, <laughs> all the weird stuff. Yeah. My assumption was that there you could create multiple mirror dimensions. I don't know why I'm saying that, but that's my assumption. Yeah, okay. I just hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. It would make sense to have more than one. Well, she okay. says I... earlier that they use it for training sometimes. I don't know why. That t- To me, that st- struck me as like, oh, we could just kind of create a little one just for ourselves that we can kind of, I don't know. <laughs> and we can obliterate this whole universe and doesn't matter because there's another one. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take it. That that works for me. I just, like, I just wasn't sure either way. So, okay. So, so then taking back to the first question, that would make sense. If everyone can just make their own, then they, they cast their spell just to get into it. Maybe for some reason they're the only ones that can actually... No, that doesn't make sense. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to... Or Doctor Strange would have been able to leave with Mordo without taking the sling ring. All right. Uh, eh, oh, well. I think I'm good. I think I've got the answers <laughs> to my questions, at least. <laughs> I, I do like that... Um... More, Mordo and him have that conversation about um, that Mordo's uh, purpose is like you lack a backbone and mm-hmm. uh, Strange's you lack imagination. And immediately when Kaecilius and his zealots attack, Mordo goes, jumps over the banister to fight and actually gets subdued. You see him in the background being held by two of the zealots where... Mm-hmm. Strange didn't physically fight and actually saved the New York Sanctum by definitely putting themselves in danger, but putting them in the mirror dimension because he thought around the problem instead of just brute force like Mordo was thinking. And the, that's one of my favorite things. My, I love intelligent heroes that like can think around a problem instead of just punching at it. Yeah, oh, that's... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, TK. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I, I completely agree, and I think that's why this movie, um, why upon many rewatches of this movie, I really do enjoy it because it offers us a different, a different type of ending than we usually see, and a mm-hmm. different type of power than we usually see. Not to say it's better or worse, but it, it's intriguing because it's atypical for what we saw in the MCU up to this point. Yeah, at least in the, um, in the it's true. In the first movie, I was very down on this movie, but just watching the third act, or it's uh, not really the third act, but the third section in isolation, uh, I realized why I like Doctor Strange so much, even though I'm not a huge fan of this film. It's like this third part and Infinity War. He's just like I think he is one of my favorite Marvel characters because definitely like Cap. He's an aspirational character. Like, we're Cap, I wish I was that good. With Strange, I wish I was uh, that smart and able to, like, work around problems. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Should I mean, we... it... <laughs> oh, go oh I was just going to kind of pile on to that. I mean, you know, with, with Cap, at least, you know, his his powers... I mean, 
or let me rephrase that, like all of these characters, their powers are a thing that if that type of thing existed, it's still not something you can just go out and obtain, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, with magic, but like you still have to be very smart to be as good as Doctor Strange uh, because he specifically has the you know photographic memory and that kind of stuff, right? So that he was able to learn uh, all those spells. Also, he has Google Translate, so he can translate... Um, Oh, I forgot what language it was. <laughs> Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Yeah, <laughs> Sanskrit. <laughs> oh, then that is one power of his that I have, because I have Google Translate on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You're one step closer to being Doctor Strange. Or just yep. a sorcerer in general. Yeah. Uh, I mean, being to the Sorcerer Supreme, that's a lot of responsibility. I'll be like the Sorcerer, like pepperoni and sausage. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, do we want to move on to kind of the final battle, the climax of the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. Um, I didn't realize till watching it this time how similar this is, um, to what, exactly what Thanos does with the Time Stone in Infinity War. They, he already lost and he literally cheats with the Time Stone. I feel that's not fair to Caecilius. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he, he even calls it out too, right? Uh, he says he says to Wong after he brings Wong back to life, uh, rewinds his death, and he says, "Yeah, I know, messing with the laws of nature and all that." But uh, you know, at that point, the good guys are are benefiting from it, so it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wong even says, "Don't stop now," right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, Mordo calls him out at the end. It's, it is hypocritical. He's seeing the laws, like, the rules as stated instead of seeing the greater good that both Wong and Strange find. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on the most famous scene of this, I've Come to Bargain? It looks so good. I love the colors. Yeah. I, I think it looks awesome. Yeah, rewatching it, I forgot how many times they show him die also. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kind of joked a little bit at the beginning, like, oh, it's a thousand years. But, I mean, we don't actually get a real sense of how many times he died. Like, it could have just been the seven times that they showed us in the movie. Or, you know, seven being a random number that I chose. I have no idea how many times <laughs> they showed us. But, um, you know, how long until Dormammu just got bored? Like, he actually, like, could have been there for a year dying every seven seconds or whatever it is man i'm really sticking with number seven today yeah. <laughs> it's a good i number. prefer to think that he was there for however long um because the way it plays out on screen it's i, I don't know a couple minutes of screen time and it almost makes it seem like dormammu gives up a little easily because <laughs> we only yeah. see a few seconds pass and i understand that that's the point right we're only seeing a, a few of these rounds of bargaining. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it, in movie time, it seems relatively quick for me. Um, so I was like, what, Dormammu? That's it, Dormammu, really? But I, I, <laughs> I like thinking that uh, it was probably much, much longer than that. Yeah, and I also like thinking it's longer for the reason that he, I think this is where he hones his training. He can try those spells that he memorized 
and how he's eligible to become the Sorcerer Supreme by the time we get to Infinity War. Because he's been practicing for maybe 10 years looped just different spells this entire time. Yeah, that's a good point. We do see him using all of those things in a way that we really hadn't seen him do as well before, right? Like the the shield and all yeah. that. Like He wasn't doing a good job of it in the previous scene when he was fighting. Yeah. Anything else for Strange that we want to talk about before we move on? I just really like that that last image of him standing in front of the window at the Sanctum, and he looks down and his hands are still shaking a little bit and he's wearing the broken watch. Mm-hmm. Nice shot. Yeah, it's it's his it's when he finally takes his place as the at least the guardian of the sanctum, if not sorcerer supreme. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that happens after, right? Because he is it uh, is it ever like called out officially in uh, Infinity War Endgame that he's the sorcerer supreme, or is that just not happened yet? Does Earth not have a sorcerer supreme? I don't know. I don't think it's called out. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if we're going through, like, standard, like, superhero um, order of operations, he won't earn the title of Sorcerer Supreme until somewhere in the second movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't actually have anything for the Cloak and Levitation, other than he's the one doing the offensive battles, uh, offensive fighting during the final battle. Like, he's blocking and pushing enemies out of the way that strange doesn't have to because he didn't and then take he, he, he kind of hits strange in the face in the scene when they're about to leave the hospital <laughs> and strange <laughs> like it's a it's kind of a weird scene i guess it was probably played for laughs that he uh he yeah. pops the collar and then the collar kind of hits him in the face like what do you think you're doing <laughs> yeah i th- i thought he was wiping strange's tears away oh is that it yeah oh Oh, wow, I like that better. I thought he was just, like, tickling in his face. <laughs> I thought it was played for laughs, but I guess that's, uh, wow. I gotta I go back and rewatch that, that. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm still not a huge fan of it, because it's played for laughs in what should be a dramatic scene. So that's one, yeah. one of the few complaints I have about uh, MC movies, is they don't just let the emotional beats be emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are pretty yeah. rare. Yeah. All right. So moving on to our villains. Oh, uh, actually, I had a few things about the ancient one. I just wasn't not sure moving what to on up. to our villains. Oh, well, I had that in <laughs> the guy in the chair, but we can talk about our hero. She sacrifices herself. We can move her up to hero. <laughs> Didn't we counter his hero previously? I don't, think I don't so. remember. No? I oh, feel okay. like we have a very poor memory. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So first question that I have. Um, we find out that she was drawing her long light from the dark dimension and no one seems to be happy about it. Why? Why is it bad? Like, uh, I get why Mordo would be unhappy with it. And I, I guess I get why Caecilius is unhappy because like, he wants everyone to have that kind of power. But mm-hmm. why is it bad to take your long life from the dark dimension? I th- think it might just be hypocritical that it I think it it might be that uh, 
Uh, Dormammu can reach out from the Dark Dimension, so she is preaching no one to use any of the powers from the Dark Dimension while she is still benefiting from it. Okay. Alright, I guess that makes sense. I was thinking back to um, when Wong was talking about the uh, the private collection of, of books mm-hmm. that she has, where like the the knowledge isn't forbidden, however, actually practicing that is. So... Which, I guess now that I think about it, that is something that later on Strange confirms. He said, oh, yeah, I, I saw the, the, the spells. Like, it it makes sense that that's what she's doing. So. Yeah. And I don't think it, in and of itself, is evil, but also extending life is a genuinely selfish thing to do. And she's banning the other sorcerers from having this power while using the power. Like... Dormammu mm-hmm. doesn't call her evil. He calls her a hypocrite. Or Caecilius. Uh, no, Dar- uh, Mordo. All, all oh, wrong okay. names. <laughs> Mordo calls her a hypocrite. And also Caecilius, you're right, but I was thinking about Mordo. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, well that, that makes a lot, lot more sense. Um, so, and I was going to call this out. Sorry, TK, I know uh, you haven't seen the, um, the 1978 uh, Doctor Strange movie, uh, but Don't there was a it out. <laughs> Yeah, don't. You don't have to. <laughs> I'm excited for your episode on it, though. <laughs> um, so one of the things that happens in that movie kind of made its way into this one, actually. Um, so in the 1978 version, we see the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, or sorry, not Sorcerer Supreme, uh, just some random guy who's magical, I guess. Um, the, oh, yeah. Or the non-ancient one, I think is what we keep calling him. Anyway, the the, the <laughs> other training leader type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a scene where he just, he's um, pushed over a bridge and then he falls like 30 feet. And then he gets up and is fine and walks away. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that exact same thing happens in this uh, movie, except when the ancient one in this case falls 100 feet um, she was already stabbed. I think that's what actually killed her. So the fall, completely fine. No, no damage from that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would thought with that fall, the, the extreme violence of it compared to again what you'd see in other movies. It reminds me of the car crash at the beginning of the movies. They didn't pull any punches with these accidents. <laughs> yeah, they did not. Mm-hmm. Um, all right and then sorry i do have one last one um, oh, yeah. just because we keep bringing up how she was using what i assume was the time stone like to to see into the future and all of that so mm-hmm. um you know we, we kept kind of poking fun a little bit at like okay does does she know that dr strange is going to be the or to quote her i guess from uh from endgame uh the greatest of us all right the mm-hmm. source of supreme all that kind of stuff um, but she doesn't see his future, right? Because she only sees until she dies in, in this part of the movie. Um, so how does she know that? Like, What what makes her th- think that he is going to go on to be new source of Supreme and all that stuff? Yeah, I noted that watching, um, re-watching this part for our discussion tonight, because last time we talked a lot about to what extent did she know what was going to happen, right? Um, and mm-hmm. she says to him here, I never saw your future. Only its possibilities, your capacity for goodness. And then talks to him about how his fear of failure, his arrogance um, has kept him from greatness. So it's interesting. It, it kind of suggests that uh, 
I don't know what it suggests, but it's it's a little confusing because she keeps telling him, like, it's not about you, right? You have this inflated ego. You have this capacity for good, but you've gotten in your own way. And yet she dies believing in him, it seems. <laughs> um, and then, as you said, in Endgame. So it, it's kind of interesting. I, I wasn't sure what to make of that. Yeah, I mean, the only way I could do it is I could headcanon it is you could see beyond your own death, but you see the myriad of possibilities. Hmm. Like, um, Stephen in uh, Infinity War sees, what, 14,605 possibilities. But mm -hmm. in 14,604,000 of those, he's dead. <laughs> so he does see past his own death, but he um, sees, like, possible outcomes of those deaths. I think what uh, the Ancient One sees is possible outcomes and she's just trying to push him towards the greatest of them or maybe like in half of them he's the greatest sorcerer supreme or something like that okay so that that does make sense however i do kind of want to add a little argument to what you said about infinity yeah. war when he looks at the possible futures he he doesn't say that he lives in only one of them he only says that in only one of them we win which in his mind us winning could also mean him living like, it's possible that they stop Thanos, but he's dead. <laughs> True. I mean, I doubt that's that's what he was saying, but that's possible. Yeah. He does say he'll sacrifice Peter and Tony, but not himself. So I guess that's fair. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, he needs to protect the time, time stone. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> all right, that, that's it. That's all I had. Uh, I'm, I'm done throwing random questions at, at you both for, for now. <laughs> I've got a few more later. Now. <laughs> all right um let's move on to our villains i ask you to what end dread it run from it destiny arrives all the same it's funny isn't it how even the best of men can be deceived by their true nature the hell does that mean that i am the ill intent what about the people you killed tiny Momentary specs within an indifferent universe. Which is both Kaecilius and Dormammu. I mean, Mordo's just barely a villain, so I'm putting him in the guy in the chair. <laughs> um, that seems fair. Mm -hmm. uh, we've actually covered pretty much most of my notes for these guys, so where do you guys want to start? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat, right? Like, uh, <laughs> Dormammu, we get just a, a few minutes, and he's like this super powerful being but they had to get rid of him in a way that seemed actually possible. Um, so mm -hmm. it really kind of felt like, hey, maybe he'll come back in the future. We don't know. We'll see what happens. Caecilius, I mean, he was doing pretty good. And then, then Dormammu was like, nope, you're mine now. And then and then he's gone. So, I, Which I guess actually kind of feels a little bit like a deus ex machina kind of thing um, in, well, in that mean, regard. That's, but, that's fair because Dormammu is kind of like a god. So it is yeah. God of the Machine. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, and that's everything I have to say about them. I don't know, TK, if you have anything else. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, most of what I wanted to say about Caecilius, I think, came up in the first two parts. Um, I mean, I did really like the the battle scene in the mirror dimension. As far as battle scenes go, um, it was pretty cool. But I don't think mm. we get any more real, like, character stuff out of him here. 
Yeah, he's pretty yeah. generic. Um, yeah. And you know, actually, one thing that I did say earlier about this movie as a whole is that I liked that it was the last of the like traditional um, origin stories for superheroes, at least in the MCU of what we have so far. Um, in that, you know, this is a character who started with no powers and then they gain powers and they have to learn to use them and then they grow to like be deserving of them, that all that stuff. Um, but one of the other things that I also like about this movie, in a sense, is that it's the last one where the villain is basically the same as the hero, right? The the exact same power set, right? So the mm-hmm. Gizelius being an, uh, another sorcerer, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Although yeah. throwing Dormammu in, into the mix just kind of makes things a little bit weird. But let's, uh, the main villain is Gizelius. Yeah, I mean, Dormammu is less a villain than he is a force of nature <laughs> in this. Yeah. Definitely. All right. I think we spent a good three minutes on villains. We can move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel like that's how much the writers spend on some of these villains. So That's true. I mean, we keep making fun of uh, Thor the Dark World for that exact reason. Oh, God. Poor Chris (laughs) Everson. All right. All right. uh, So let's take a quick break. Um, Let's uh, earn our money from a sponsor, and then we'll uh, get back into the show. Welcome to Baston Robbins. Would you like to try our mango fruit blast? And Jerry's named a flavor after me, so start graving hazelnuts. Not bad. For your consideration, the chair. So, um, everyone is talking about the newest streaming service to come out and take $10 a month from everyone's pockets, Peafowl. Tony, can you tell everyone about your favorite show on this new streaming service? Um, Peafowl is um, what's my line apparently because I don't know. <laughs> Peafowl is the is the service; it's not the the show. Anyway, Tony, that's a really good show. I haven't gotten uh, that far into that one yet, but so uh, you know, don't give me any spoilers. Uh, but today we're here not to talk about Tony's favorite, Bring It On The Series. Instead, we're going to talk about a new show coming out on Peafowl next week. It's an exciting, suspenseful new show with a fresh take on magic. A former doctor who has died twice in the line of duty has returned to help people in the way he couldn't before. With a newfound mastery of the mystic arts, Dr. Drake Ramore continues his vow to help people, (laughs) but now with magic, so it's cooler. You can catch new episodes of Dr. Drake Ramore each week starting in November 2020 <laughs> streaming only on Peafowl or use promo code MCU Rewind to watch every episode of season 1 without waiting for them to be released one at a time however once you start streaming you can't stop uh, they play right after each other and you can't pause so uh, don't drink any liquids beforehand that's Dr. Drake Ramore where the tagline is it's just science <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea how to get that thrown into the third one there but i got it in all three <laughs> just for you Tony. well thanks man appreciate it so much you're welcome all right uh our supporting characters with the guy in the chair the guy in the chair and i talked to someone called the ancient one and oh, so you joined a cult it's not a cult. Well, that's what a cultist would say. Oh, no, 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 no. Not those three wombats. No way. Uh, where do you want to begin, Al? Um, I mean, we've already kind of thrown Mordo there. So yeah, let's let's bring him up as a start. Mm-hmm. Start with him. Uh, 
I mean, he goes crazy at the end is what it feels like. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, f- I mean, he, he definitely has that like, you know, rigid mindset, but I feel like he goes off the deep end and then it's like, well, I guess if everything is bad, we have to like go crazy with our course correction or like, you know, go a little overboard and just start killing people. I guess I don't, I don't fully understand his, his thinking there. Um, why he goes that far. I think uh, you're talking about the post credit scene with too many um, sorcerers. <laughs> yeah, I probably jumped too far to the end with him, but honestly, no, that's okay. the only thing I had to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because the way um, uh, the ancient one describes sorcery is she they draw power from other dimensions mm-hmm. to power spells, which I think with his rigidity and knowing that it must like in his mind, maybe if drawing from one dimension is bad, drawing from all the other dimensions is bad, but um, it appears that he's using magic to destroy people's powers, which is hip- uh, hypocrisy in and of itself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cause Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Oh no, it's okay. I, I, I thought that I understood Mordo until the end credit scene like i i mm-hmm. feel like where the movie proper ends i can take him as that person who was such a, a true believer in what he was taught that even or especially when finding out that the teacher didn't practice what she preached right and that uh in his mind everything that happened with caecilius was her fault um right you know he he says that Right. So that he he's this kind of true believer mentality and that he's going to kind of stick to the word of the, um, you know, the, the text, the knowledge or whatever it is he's been trained in. Um, but then I feel like the end credit scene undoes that a little bit, because as you said, he's now also drawing using power to rid others of power. And that doesn't quite fit. Like, I, I kind of liked him as this character who is not necessarily villainous, he's just got a different approach. He's got that, like, as you said, that rigid approach to what magic should be for. And then mm-hmm. that kind of uh, is undone in the end credit scene. Yeah, definitely. Like, he's... Like, like yeah, it just feels like, like he has snapped in a way. And maybe in one sense, this is like, possible because they, they kind of said you know he used to be a very different person um he was in the same shoes as dr strange when he first showed up to comartage um and so maybe that's kind of more in line with how he used to be in, in that sense and and we just haven't we, we we never saw it so that that's possible mm-hmm. but yeah i mean exactly with what you said tk like at the end of the at the end of that part of the movie or before the the end credit scenes it just seems like yeah he's done with with this organization he no longer wants to be a part of them and maybe he'll go off and start his own magic school and teach people his teaching like that would make sense i feel like that's mm-hmm. a, a good thing but eh, yeah exactly yeah i was kind of <laughs> going to change it um, and ask another question um so he says in the or uh I forgot the guy's name, the, the other sorcerer that he took the powers from. That guy oh. says it's his own power, right? He's not mm-hmm. like taking the power from anyone else. But 
it kind of sounds like it's either either he's he's correct in that the sorcerers have their own power, their own like pool of power or something, or all sorcerers just drain power, mystical energy from somewhere else. Is that can both be true, or is only one true, or what do you think? I think both can be true. Because, uh, like, as we said earlier, uh, the Ancient One specifically says that you um, draw energy from other dimensions. But it's also, that is a skill and a power you have to have. Not everyone can draw energy from other dimensions. So part of it is his power, the ability to harness power from other places. Okay. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. I'll take it. Right. Yeah, I... I feel like the problems we're having with Mordo right now, and it's strictly this post-credit scene, <laughs> all will hinge on what the MCU does with him in the future. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we got a, a one-and-a-half-minute scene setting up something that may or may not happen in Doctor Strange 2 or possibly Doctor Strange 3, depending how they do it. So, I... I feel like it's almost unfair to criticize this aspect of Mordo until we see where he's coming from in the next movies. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. Um, one last thing um, mm-hmm. about Mordo at the end there, because again, that seems to be the only part of the, <laughs> of him that we, we care to talk about. Um, he actually reminds me of uh, something else that happens in one of the other uh future tv shows that we will be covering uh sometime within the next year or so um so i will not bring it up now uh, but i placeholder basically for that because uh, it oh, kind of yeah. reminds me of that so yeah well you have to spoil it but what show is it it is iron fist okay i've blocked mm-hmm. most of that in my memory so that's why i'm not going <laughs> all right okay all right <laughs> all right um anything else with mordo or any other supporting characters? I don't think Wong does that much here. He's the only other supporting. No, he no, basically I mean, only we... has the two lines, right? He <laughs> yeah. laughs, finally. He laughs at uh, <laughs> Strange's joke. Oh, yeah. Strange's joke? That wasn't that funny. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. That, that moment of humor didn't really land for me. Yeah, I, I feel it's more, you know... I wonder if Wong's aware that he died moments before. And that's more of a relief. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to our final section, or our sec- our penultimate section. Al, you like <laughs> that word? <laughs> uh, the 12% of the plan. Stark Tower is your baby. Give yourself 12% of the credit. 12%. An argument can be made for 15. 12%? Well, I my baby? did do all the heavy lifting. Literally, oh. I lifted the heavy things. You know, I'm 12 minutes older than you. Go. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. 12%? <laughs> that is not a plan. It's barely a concept. You're taking their side? I am Groot. So what? It's better than 11%. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Um, anything else? We want to talk about bring up for this entire movie, I guess, since we're wrapping it up today. Um, TK, do you have anything? I don't think so. Um, I guess the only other 
Well, the only other character we didn't touch on for part three is Christine, but as we talked about in the first two parts, she doesn't get much of an arc here. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of end that with the the moment in the hospital and a kiss on the cheek. And I, I think we talked about this, right? That we don't necessarily expect her to return in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't see where they... Well, again, I don't know their plans, but I don't see where they'd fit him in in the more... Fit her in in the more insular, superhero-centric arcs that they go through in their sequels. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I I mean, maybe it's something like she won't be... Maybe she'll get like a, a small part in, in movie number two. Um, no mention at all in movie number three. And then in movie number four, she'll come back, but now she'll be the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it's been done before. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe by the time that movie comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Al, do you have anything else to cover? Uh, I do, unfortunately. Okay. Because um, <laughs> these are just questions that I have about the world that they've built, right? Because this is the first time we've got magic in there, and they're just kind of. I thought you were going to ask more about Mordo. no no no, i'm done with him uh okay so i've kind of been holding off asking this question the entire time um for what we've seen in in this movie learning magic seems to be a thing anyone can do like actually Mm -hmm. performing it there's like there there is some skill involved but it seems like as long as you kind of change your mind in terms of what you can accept for being real um it sounds like literally anyone can do magic. So why not? Also, like, do, do they stop people from teaching magic? Like, what happens if instead of that one guy who, like, went back and just had his same old life, he goes back and he makes YouTube videos teaching people how to be sorcerers? Like, mm. would, would they be okay with that? Or would they send people out to stop him and delete it, basically Men in Black style? Or what's... What's what? Why not? Like, do, it seems like they have no problem with people knowing magic, right? Because they had that whole rule about the the library that that Wong said about you know no teachings in Kamartage are off limits. I feel as if they're pro- they probably do Men in Black it and erase it if anyone does that because no teachings are for or was it no knowledge is forbidden but right. pra- some practices are <clears throat> they want they seem like an organization that wants to control the information and make sure people who will follow their practices are the ones who um who practice it in the world so they want to keep it exclusive and they don't want to have to fight all these mystical threats of i don't know um uh, magical terrorists or magical warlords or any of that. I think it's something they need to control. Okay. Yeah, I think that, there's, that there's a, a fear of it falling into the wrong hands too, right? I mean, even, you know, at first they say no to training Steven and later, um, I lost my train of thought for a second. Oh, later, um, you know, Wong is is warning Steven against, like, the reckless use of it. So I could see that they would be very concerned if it were to get out into the masses that people would be using it for the wrong reasons. It definitely seems like there's a a fair amount of gatekeeping in this training of the mess of the mystical arts. Okay. All right. So, so they have the reasons, but 
they they are holding it back. Okay, I'll take it. That works for me. Um, other question I had, uh, and this kind of goes back to the whole astral projection stuff we were talking about last week. Um, in this part of the movie, when we see astral projection, they're slowing down time. Um, is that a thing with astral projection? Is that just something uh, the ancient one was doing? What's, what's what? It, I guess I'm just confused why in this one instant they were able to to do that. Um, because she does not have the time stone too at, at right. that point. Right. No. I mean, I would assume it has something to do with like your perception of time, where like when something traumatic is happening, it might feel a moment might feel like an hour. Or five minutes or something, and when they're both they're interacting on such a, I don't know how you say this, like soul to soul, he might be just living in her perception of reality at that moment. Okay, well, so like maybe instead they didn't like actually go astral projection out. Um, maybe she went into his mind, like she incepted into his into his his brain, and so that like slowed time down. They went one level deep. I mean, that's not what I was saying, but that could work. <laughs> I was trying to make a bad Inception joke. Okay. <laughs> well, it's okay. I'll, there are no such thing as good Inception jokes. So. Okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted. All right. <laughs> All right. The last thing I just have to say is I started out by saying that I liked the the way that they do time travel in this movie. And mm-hmm. as we've rewound and talked about this movie as a whole, uh, now I have mixed feelings. Um, at the end, I still enjoy it. But the rest of it, because it can still cause too many, many problems. Uh, uh, no, I, I don't like that part. So this movie has ruined time travel. Uh, well, for, for Or this rewatch has ruined the time travel aspect for me. So thanks for that. And I'm blaming you specifically, Tony. <laughs> of, is it because of my love of time travel stories, or is it because I had the idea for this podcast uh, three years ago? Oh, it is definitely because you had the idea for this podcast. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. You ready to rank the movies? Yes. I know my value. Anyone else's opinion doesn't really matter. Earth just lost your best defender. So we're here to fight. What did he say? Strange, he gave it away. He gave it to Thanos. Willingly? Yes. Strange is meant to be the best of us. All right. Um, so it's been a while since the last time that we've ranked a movie. Um, so to everyone listening, you can find our official uh, ranking, personal, uh, you know, official with an asterisk, ranking uh, of this uh, on our website. Go to uh, mcurewind.com. And then you can find the movie rankings tab. Just click on on the top right section. Um, so right now, because we have 13 movies that we've put up before, I'm not going to read them all in order because that would just be annoying. Uh, I'm just going to read the top, the middle, and the last. And then let's decide what general area we want to go. And then we'll just kind of divide and conquer from there. Okay. <laughs> so uh, right now, movie number one is Guardians of the Galaxy. Movie number Six is Captain America Civil War. And movie number 13 is The Incredible Hulk. So, Tony, 
which or where somewhere in that range do you think um, this one would go? Yeah. Um, Al, you know, I fundamentally disagree with some of our um, arrangements. Like, <laughs> I'm, and I go through this every time, and I feel bad, because this is the 13th time we've had this discussion that <laughs> Iron Man 3 should not be number 10. Um, Winter Soldier should it be at least in the top three. But I would put this... <laughs> God. I guess I would put this in the lower half of the um ranking just because as much as I love the ending of the movie, the first two thirds is rough for me to get through. Um, okay. What do you think, TK? Yeah, I looking at my my own personal ranking, there are definitely mm-hmm. some differences I have with yours. However, I think that we are in agreement that this would kind of fall. Well, I would say middle to lower half. I I was thinking around of the first 13 around, sorry, or the first 14, if we include Dr. Strange around seven or eight, Mm, eight, probably. Yeah. So for people's reference between Iron Man and Iron Man two. That's, that's probably where I would put it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, looking. What do you think, Al? Um, I mean, honestly, I would probably put a little bit lower um, for exactly the same reason that you said, Tony. About you know, the first two thirds of this movie is it's it's the traditional new hero learning their powers, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And um, so, I would actually go a little bit lower than than what TK was saying. So, um, just kind of listing these out on on air right now. So, I'll just kind of read. The, the basically the bottom half so seven through 13 um so at number seven is iron man followed by iron man 2 followed by ant-man followed by iron man 3 thor thor 2 the dark world and then incredible hulk so um in that i would say i probably would like it um after iron man 3 um Maybe a little bit higher, maybe before Iron Man three, but somewhere in that range, because that would basically put it at around number ten on our list. Mm. Well, I mean, you did this back when Alicia was on the podcast. I'm gonna have to go with TK. Um, honestly, I uh, uh, not just to spite you, Al, but that is. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't want to sway you guys. <laughs> no, um, no, I because. It, in my opinion, I think I, as I've said before, Iron Man three is my favorite Iron Man movie. I would put this, if it was up to me, I would put Iron Man three above Iron Man, and then still have this between Iron Man and Iron Man two. So, well, since I can't retroactively change the ratings yet, I mean, I'm going to put an amendment <laughs> in our next, <laughs> um, in our next uh, meeting. We'll see if the motion passes again, yet again. Um, but for now, I would put this at number eight as well. Between Iron Man and Iron Man Two, okay, and and I I think that's that's probably a good spot for it. I I would take that. Okay, so cool. So we will put that. Um, that will take a uh, place at number eight, um, replacing Iron Man Two, or All moving right. Iron Man Two down one. And and just so everyone knows, you know, Tony kind of alluded to that. We are at some point gonna redo this list again, um, just because I think you know this is one of those things that because it evolves over time, like mm-hmm. you know we're in a specific head case when we're rating it to like we just watched <laughs> one of these movies and then we start comparing it to the other movies and all this. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. So oh yeah, there's definitely a recency bias, a recency bias that comes into it for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. So, all right. All right. So before we wrap up, first of all, TK, I want to thank you for joining us for these past three weeks. It's been a delight having you over here. I hope you had fun. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a total blast. I would love to work with you guys again at some point. I'd love to collaborate, maybe have you on my show. Um, it, this was really a lot of fun. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. And before we sign off, do you want to um, plug your show one last time? Sure. Uh, my podcast is called There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And if you're interested in hearing me talk more about the films of the MCU with various guests from different angles, you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. And you can find me at an idea underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And I get to finally listen to the Doctor Strange episode, which I've been avoiding because we're recording this one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've listened to every other one. And as I said, it's great. So I'm ex- looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to hear what you think. My friend who I recorded with for that episode was new to the MCU, but had mm-hmm. a real personal connection to some of the themes of this movie. So it was an interesting conversation. Yeah, that's one of the aspects I love about your podcast is you have so many people who aren't like inundated with this media, such as Al and I are. So it's getting these new, uh, new perspectives is really interesting. Yeah, it's really fun. It's it's very fun um, to get to also have this uh, <laughs> almost power of like, mm, I'm going to introduce him to the MCU with Doctor Strange, right? Which most people are not introduced to the MCU with Doctor Strange. So it's, uh, it's kind of cool for me to see. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you, TK. Thank you. And for everyone else, join us next time as we go back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. covering Season 4, Episode 7, Deals with Our Devils. And once again, remember to follow us on Twitter at MCU underscore Rewind and follow TK at an idea underscore podcast on Twitter. As always, this is the Marvel Cinematic Rewind for Doctor Strange Part 3 signing off. Have a marvelous day. I feel like Doctor Strange, yeah. If we talking demons, know the language Yeah, I feel like Dr. Strange, yeah Teach you how to persevere through the pain, yeah They ask me how I stay so positive I know where my demons live Visit, but don't let them in Said I visit, but don't let them in Yeah, I visit, but don't let them in